Friends, grace and peace to you in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my favorite musical theater pieces of all time is the stage adaptation of the classic children's book, The Secret Garden. If you don't know the story of The Secret Garden, it's about a a little girl who is a, a total spoiled brat. Her name is Mary. But then suddenly Mary is orphaned when her parents and all of their servants die of the cholera in India. And she's sent to live with her brooding hunchback of an old uncle, Archibald, who lives in his massive manor on the moors of the English countryside. Archibald has been bitter and dark and brooding ever since his beloved, beautiful Lily, his wife, died at a very young age. Lily was beautiful. She brought incredible love and life into Archibald's world. She made things beautiful. In particular, she was a gifted gardener. She she was a masterful gardener and had this beautiful, wonderful garden that she spent all of her time in and tended it and, and made it just perfect. And so when Lily died, Archibald couldn't bear to ever look at another flower again. He commanded that the the garden be forgotten, be locked up. No one allowed to go in it. He let the wild animals and the wind and the weeds have their way with it until it was so overgrown and dead and neglected that no one even knew where it was. But Mary was a curious child and also not particularly fond of following rules. And so she was out exploring one day and she stumbled upon this old overgrown garden. And together with the gardener, Ben, and a a village boy, Dickon, they decide to to see if they can make something grow again. And so Mary musters up the courage to ask her uncle Archibald if she might have just a bit of earth, a little plot of ground in which to plant some seeds. And this request sends Archibald reeling back into all those decades of heartbreak as he remembers the beauty that he once had. And he sings this this gorgeous and haunting song about a bit of earth and about what it would mean for for this girl to, to plant some seeds and watch them grow, only to then see the ground freeze and kill them all when the winter comes. How can she chance to love a bit of earth, she sings. Does she not know? That the earth is old and doesn't care if one small girl wants things to grow. You see, Archie knows that that loving and growing and and making, making things alive and beautiful only sets you up for failure, for disappointment, for heartbreak. And hasn't this little girl had enough death and heartbreak? Hasn't he had enough death and heartbreak for a thousand lifetimes? It's not worth the risk. And I couldn't help but think of that song this week as I read again this beautiful text from the prophet Isaiah. It's a familiar one. In this story, Isaiah describes the relationship between God and God's people with a love song. In those days, love songs were popular culture. Everybody loved to to be entertained by the bards singing the beautiful songs of love. In that sense, our ancestors are a lot like us, right? Turn on the radio, about 90% of what you hear is a love song. 
And so Isaiah sings this beautiful song about a lover who loved his beloved so much that he wanted her to have the most beautiful vineyard, the most beautiful garden, planted it and tended it and cared for it and and created this incredible, incredible possibility. But then, as often happens, that love is not returned. The lover is disappointed, heartbroken, spurned by his beloved turning away, falling short, cheating. And in heartbreak, in heartbreak, the beloved says, enough. What more could I have done for you? And this is what you give me. All I wanted to do was to grow a little bit of righteousness and mercy, but instead, in the ground, is the blood of the innocent. All I wanted was a little bit of justice, but all I hear is the cry of the oppressed. Enough. I'm done. Tear down the hedges, let the wild animals, the wind and the weeds, have their way with it. We're through. In that sense, this love song that Isaiah sings is, in fact, a Taylor Swift love song. You know Taylor, right? Pretty much every other day, she spits out another incredibly depressing, bitter, angry, but very poppy and catchy tune about one more lover that she has been spurned by. People love Taylor Swift because, you know, she's, well, she's, you know, entertaining and because everybody knows what it is to have their heart broken, right? Most people know what it is to be cheated on or turned away or whatever. And so it's great to sing along because it gives you this real sense of empowerment, right, and strength. Except here's the problem. The problem is that in this scenario, God is Taylor Swift. Notice I did not say Taylor Swift is God. That's an important distinction. But God is Taylor Swift, and we are John Mayer or Harry Styles or literally any other man on the, on the planet. We're the ones whom God has given such a gift and wanted nothing more than to see righteousness, mercy, love, and justice flourish. But instead, we have turned our backs. We have failed to love our neighbors, let alone our enemies, turned our hearts away from the stranger, And in the midst of all of that, letting fear rule our lives and turn from love, we have led the world together, all of us, into a very dangerous and scary and heartbreaking place. And God looks to God's people and and says, what more could I have done? Never mind. We are never ever, ever getting back together. I knew you were trouble when you walked in. I mean, it works. It really does. It's great. I love that Isaiah describes God's relationship with us in the form of a beloved and a lover who has done everything to make our lives rich and beautiful and bursting with life. 
What I love about that love song, what I love about this image of God investing God's self in loving us, is because if you have loved anyone, you know that love always inevitably invites risk. Love is vulnerable. To be in a relationship with someone opens yourself up for the possibility of heartbreak. It would be easy for God to stay aloof, apart, but instead God pours God's self out in love, knowing full well that God will have God's heart broken time and time again. What I love about this song is that it paints the picture of God as a gardener, tending the soil for God's beloved Because any of you who have ever gardened or or attempted to grow anything, you know that that work inevitably involves risk. It is vulnerable and risky to grow things because indeed the, the ground freezes and the seasons change. You see, to risk love is to risk heartbreak and to risk life is to indeed know death. And God has worn death in God's own skin. God knows the risk involved. And yet, and yet God continues to pick up the pieces and try again. And there are times indeed where it is not comfortable, but it is good and right for us to to look around and see what happens. To see what happens when we take this gift that God has given us and abuse it, neglect it. What happens is is this, right? Or this. Stuff that, that used to be green and full of life and potential and hope, it just ends up dry and dusty and dead. If that has not been your experience, if you have not known the heartbreak and loss, then you're very lucky. But I wonder if perhaps you've ever really lived or loved. But the good news, friends, is that we have a God who knows full well what to do with dead stuff. You see, in God's hands, there is great hope for a tree cut down. God can do wonderful things. With trees, a manger and a cross come to mind. God knows that even what looks dead can still live again. One of my other favorite songs from the Secret Garden is it's a song called Wick. It's sung by the, uh, the little village boy Dickon and Mary as Mary is getting frustrated about the lack of progress in their garden, that it just seems like everything is so tangled and so neglected and so old and dead that there's never going to be anything growing. And Mary is an impatient little girl. And so Dickens sings the song. He teaches her this word, wick. It's a Yorkshire slang term that means life or the potential for life. That if a thing is wick, it has a life inside it. Maybe not a life that you can see, but somewhere down below... There's sparks of green inside it, just waiting for the right time to be seen. That if someone cares about it and comes each day to work the earth, it will grow. And a shoot shall come forth 
from the stump of Jesse, a fresh branch from his tender roots, from that which has been neglected, broken, and lost seemingly forever. God, God comes each day, each week, each generation to work the earth, to work the soil, to risk loving us back to life again. And as our hearts are opened to God's mercy and justice being grown and planted again in us this day, as God comes to us and we are open to being watered and fed and nourished by God's never-failing love, then in the spring, indeed, the seeds will grow and we will have the grandest garden ever seen. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.